everybody. Welcome back to Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder. Back with us is uh, Justin Toscano from The Record. How's it going, buddy? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. It's good to be back. Oh, always a blast, man. We have at least we have some new material to discuss. The uh, summer know. camp, summer camp is in full swing. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's it's almost you should be writing letters home to mom and dad right after summer camp, but it's almost like it's just flying by. Oh yeah, icing up welts from vicious dodgeball games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, checking the cabin for uh, lights out at nine p.m. and all, all that jazz. <laughs> You know it, man. But yeah, um, the the general consensus around camp right now seems to uh, everyone's confidence is pretty high. Uh, I know even Jake Marisnik was chiming in saying that they expect to really do some damage this year. Um, I know you guys are speaking to the players from afar and and watching uh, watching the I guess the scrimmages and the intra squad games from uh, from up in the press box. But uh, what's the uh, what's the feeling around around the team right now? Yeah, I think everybody is confident. I think it's. Uh it's something where, you know, they've, they've obviously had to have their own conversations with their, their families and their side of things about just the protocols and everything. And if this is safe, but I think now that the Mets have put those in, they've had a couple of weeks with those. Like, I think everybody does feel, you know, safe, confident, comfortable with that. And everybody has said, you know, at least publicly that they have, but just baseball wise, I mean, I think this is a really hungry team and I know that's just super cliche, but I think you've got a good mix here in terms of of a dominant, you know, DeGrom. And then you've got a guy like Marcus Stroman, who, you know, is super positive on social media and even like the guys gravitate toward him. And then you've got a young position player core, like guys like like Pete Alonzo and even Dominic Smith, Jeff McNeil, J.D. Davis. And you've got a lot of those guys that like that really experienced both ends of it last year together where they were like they saw how tough it was in the first half of the season, but then they saw what they could be in the second half of the season. And they saw, you know, they heard the crowd at that Washington game when Todd Frazier tied it up and Conforto had the walk-off hit. And then like they experienced winning 15 of 16 in the second half, but they fell short. Like, I think they remember what that feels like. And I think there's a real, every team's going to need a sense of urgency, but I think the Mets are in a good position to really, take the reins in this 60 game sprint. And I think that really excites them. Like a lot of them have talked about how they're just going to have a very, you know, one of the best lineups in, in the bigs they've said in a very deep lineup and, and how, you know, the bullpen's a lot better and the Mets officials have raved about just like the way the pitchers have come in after this stoppage. So I think there's a lot of confidence that they really can do something with this 60 game sprint. You know, it's like the goal is still the same, even if the circumstances are Oh, sure. And I think, you know, 39 and 21 over their last uh, 60 last year, um, just to touch on what you were saying with the core, you know, that was a huge learning experience, it feels like. And, you know, if their mindset as, uh, you know, you got to win all of them to get in is still there and kind of carrying over from last season. Sure. I think that even adds to the hunger and and the additions that were made and the bullpen. And I know you spoke about Stroman and, uh, he had some absolutely great comments. What was that? That was on Sunday. He spoke to the media. Um, yeah. Just absolutely buckets of confidence, man. This, this, you know, he, he seems absolutely geared up to, uh, to get on the mound and to slide into Syndergaard's role. Uh, he touched on free agency, which he seems eager to kind of test those waters. And I don't blame him. He's, uh, you know, he's got a lot to prove and not a lot of time to do it. Not a lot to prove, but um, to carry into free agency, he's kind of, you know, he, he's, 
for one, looking to have a probably looking to have a very big uh, 60 game season, a big push towards that. Um, so, you know, team goals, personal goals. I, I think everyone's kind of on that same uh, same wavelength. And you look at Conforto, um, you know, a lot of guys are motivated and it's for all the right reasons. And, uh, you know, it seems like the personal stuff is kind of taking a backseat. But I uh, wanted to talk about Stroman just a little bit. Um, as we were saying, as you were saying, he's just, you know, ready to go, super confident, super positive. Do you feel he's got that makeup to slide into uh, into the spot behind DeGrom? I do. I do. I think, um, I mean, you just look at him like, God, like, I think his city failed debut last year was that big Washington series. And, and you know, it felt like it felt like October there. And he was just like jumping around, ready for it. I think he's. He's that type of guy that I know he, you know, sometimes when people say something, they don't mean it or they're saying it because they they're insecure. But I think he is very secure in himself and that he loves those pressure situations. And so he welcomed it. He was like 100 percent. I think that was his exact quote was like 100 percent. If you know, if you want to put that pressure on me, then do it. And I think, look, this is a guy who had basically. Toronto's, you know, weight of its baseball fate on him for for years and had yeah. experiences in, in the postseason there, but he was their ace. And I know like Mets fans are are spoiled having the the DeGroms and the Syndergaards and even going way back, you know, the Seavers of the world um had great, you know, have had a history of great starting pitching. And while he might not be a Jacob DeGrom or or even have the same stuff as a guy like Noah Syndergaard, like Marcus Stroman is still you know, would still be the best pitcher on, on a lot of baseball teams right now. And, um, and I think he is very fit to step into the two role because of, you know, what you said, the makeup. And now he's talked about his fastball, his four seam fastball, finding that again, he threw it a lot in 2014, you know, shied away from it the last few years, didn't throw it much, you know, last year. So he's talked about those weapons. He's still got the sinker, still got the slider. Um, but, but, but to me, it's more makeup. It's more like, that he really, really craves like the attention and the pressure that, you know, that, that baseball in the, a situation like this is going to bring him. And I think he, I mean, I think he, I think he welcomes it. I mean, he said he welcomed it, but I think deep, deep down, he loves like just the spotlight and the moment to, to kind of shine when, when everything is against him and people think that he underwhelmed for a bit last year. And, and I think he's really going to come out and have a, I think he's really going to have a good year. Oh yeah. And and like you were saying, um, you know, in Toronto, he was, he was the guy there and exactly. he, he was upper echelon level frontline starter for, for a number of years there. He battled some injuries, but, um, it almost feels like he left Toronto with, with a chip on his shoulder regarding, I guess his, the respect he gets as a, as a frontline guy. And, um, you know, that, that confidence never switches off for him, at least from an outside perspective. But, um, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I really feel like he's going to come out and shine this year. And, uh, you know, I, I, as a Mets fan, you, you got to hope that the Mets are in the uh, in the running to try and bring him back into the fold here, because that would be, um, you know, that, that would be quite the front line. I guess it would be the plan that they had this year. It would be DeGrom, Syndergaard, if he's healthy, and, and Stroman. And that's, uh, you know, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. that's And I think it's uh, it's funny. Like, I you think about it from the perspective of last year where everybody was like, okay, well now we've just got like, they've just got a year and a half of Mets fans and say, we've just got a year and a half of Stroman. But it's like, at the same time, they were clamoring to, to bring back or, you know, to replace Zach Wheeler with a viable replacement. And they didn't feel like Michael Walker, or Rick Purcello was truly 
replacing Zach Wheeler. And if you're going to feel that way about Zach Wheeler, in my eyes, you better feel that way about Marcus Stroman. Because, like, I mean, they've got, yeah, like, you're not going to be able to replace a guy like that as, you know, as a, a third starter. So I think they've really got to, especially with a lot of money coming off the books, which I think we we really touched on back in, I think it was January when I talked to you the first time, with a lot of money coming off the books after 2020, I think the Mets are served to really, really take a good long look at bringing Marcus Stroman back. And I mean, he has said that he wants to be settled somewhere. This is home for him, even, you know, even if he lives in Tampa in the offseason. Um, I mean, the the biggest market, the biggest stage, I, I think, I mean, I think they've got to, you've got to give your best run at it. Unless he just completely flops this year. I think, you know, this is a guy who before the trade, I think had like a two nine four ERA in Toronto last year in the, the AL East. And it's like, he, I mean, this is a guy who people, people think he underwhelmed, but he's still one of the top starters in the game. And to have him as a third starter behind DeGrom and you hope Syndergaard is healthy enough. Um, I think, yeah, you've got to take a really, you know, you've got to try to keep him, right? I mean, con- yeah, I mean, the, like you need starting pitching to contend if the past few years have told us anything. Oh, for sure. And I, I think that, uh, you know, a guy like Stroman, who's, you know, would settle at the middle of that rotation, hypothetically, is is, is huge. Um, I look at Steven Matz, who made lead. It's funny, towards the end of last season, when the Mets were playing their best baseball, Steven Matz and Marcus Stroman, you know, outside of DeGrom, were arguably their best pitchers. I, I think uh, Stroman settled in his last six. He had a uh, an ERA under one, uh, uh, under two, my apologies. And Steven Matz, from I think the middle of August to the middle of September, had a, uh, an ERA under two as well. And, you know, it's going to mean so much more this year. But uh, moving forward, I mean, yeah, if you can go DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, and you have a really effective kind of figured it all out Matz behind him, you know, Waka and uh, and Porcello, that's it's almost like an afterthought. It's like, great, that's gravy at this point. But, uh, you know, it, it, lots of lots of work out. Um, not a lot of time to figure it out. Michael Conforto is another guy that that probably should be on the Mets radar uh, sooner yeah. rather than later. <laughs> he came out last weekend and I guess he was the first real position player, first like frontline guy to come out and speak to the media, I believe. And um you know, we're really talking up the guidelines, really talking up just, I guess, the mindset of the team. Like, this is a focused group, the self-policing part of things, so everybody still stays healthy. Um, I, you know, I kind of, it feels like that was by design that he was the first one out there to kind of, you know, take take the brunt. I think that they want him out there. They want him to be the face of this, or cornerstone, I should say, of this franchise. And uh, you know, as a fan, I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, it's, it's good to notice that because you can acknowledge that. I think it's a very smart uh, public relations decision to have, you know, Michael Conforto be the first, you know, the first, because um, we'd gotten guys before that, but to be the first, you know, like, I guess, star of the team, you know, cornerstone, like you said, because, I mean, he's, you know, he's their player rep and he's a guy who, I mean, God, he's still really young, but he is a veteran because of all that he's experienced since, you know, coming up in 2015. And I think, um, like for him, he's a guy you're going to want to have around because he represents the Mets so well. And so he's got to be on the radar, but going to those guidelines, like obviously they're going to talk him up, but it does seem like they've done a good job in terms of, you know, a lot of the guys have talked about having fun with this, you know, policing each other. They understand that, you know, I think in Michael's exact words, 
that, you know, one mistake, like one mishap can, can just bring the whole thing down. And that's like going to be a huge thing, especially as we've seen like groups like Freddie Freeman and others test positive and like, you know, these NBA players testing positive at the bubble and things like that. Um, but like having fun with it, you know, it's like, how do you, they've talked about having fun with it. And, you know, you kind of wonder like, what do they mean? But a Brody actually put it in a good way, a uh, good way last Friday when he just said, it's like, you have fun with it. So guys don't really get offended when, you know, you're correcting them on something. And I thought that was a good point. And like, no better person to, to come out and really talk that stuff up than than Conforto, because I know that whether it be injuries or, or you know, because now they have like Pete Alonzo and or because there's Jacob deGrom that maybe Conforto's forgotten about or underrated by some Mets fans. But I mean, this is still a guy who is a very, very good center fielder or right fielder. And, um, and my bad. Um, but he, <laughs> like, I've, I don't know why I was thinking like Brandon Nimmo. But uh, oh, he's but on the list. He's on the list. Don't but, worry. Yeah, you know, I don't. Why well, I, I said center field because I know Conforto had to play, you know, center field last year in Nimmo's absence. So I'm like, I, I still think of, but he he's a very good right fielder. You're gonna want to around for a long time. I mean, you look at his sweet swing and like, of course, you know, his numbers and the way he hits and like just the way he. I think the underrated part is the way he represents an organization is something that. If you lose Michael Conforto, that's hard to replace. And I know you have Pete Alonso, but Michael Conforto is like that veteran guy who's steering the young group of position players. Yeah, it's almost like a quiet storm, man. Like he, he's, he's, you know, he'll get fired up, but um, it's that quiet confidence that kind of says, all right, yeah, maybe, maybe this kid is a star. And, and that's, um, you know, it, we, we've seen it because we have, we're biased and we're, we're watching him and we're watching him develop and that swing. Oh, my goodness, that swing. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I think this 2020 in a full version would have been a huge season for him. Um, you have to uh, you have to wonder what he does with this 60 game, whether the oblique is still bothering him. But I think that uh, he made that pretty clear if he's well past it. And yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. And, and you talked about Nimmo and he's another one who's coming off of injuries. Uh, 2018, he was, you know looking just as like run, run producing uh, stuff like that, or run creation, I should say, um, you know, among the elite, if he can get back to that, I mean, that's a motor for this, for this Mets lineup. Oh, of course. And I think, um, you know, you know, he's gonna, he, he was drafted in the time where, where I know like Sandy had that philosophy, Sandy Alderson about like just drafting these guys who, who really could control the strike zone. And Brandon Nimmo is like the perfect prototype, you know, the Brandon Nimmo's Jeff McNeil's. Um, but Brandon Nimmo, just like that plate discipline is very, very good. So he's going to be able to work those counts and still draw the walks. But I remember talking to Jeff McNeil um, right before spring training was, you know, effectively delayed. And um, he was telling me a lot about how Brandon Nimmo was, was really working on, you know, he, he would still control the zone, but working on not being as passive. So like really trying to attack the pitches that he could do something with maybe that he would have otherwise laid off in previous years. And I think like going into this summer camp now, Luis Rojas and others have really raved about how Nimmo has been at the plate. I mean, had like a home run, you know, in a sim game had he's his BP has been good, but they've really raved about like, how he has done, you know, how the bat's been. And like you're talking about run producing, I mean, at him at the top of the lineup, 
I think you're, you know, I think if he performs like he can up to his potential, your lineup gets that much better, especially because he controls his own, because he can do those other things. He's not really going to give away at bats. He's not going to let you get it. You know, he's not going to get himself out. Um, and that's, that's a huge thing. But the fact like that McNeil had mentioned that meant a lot to me because like that shows that Nimmo still got probably another gear he can hit. Now, if he's looking to attack a little more than, than being as passive um, and obviously defensively, like, you know what you're getting guy made like a great slot, you know, diving play the other day. He's, you know, he's, he's as good as you're, you're going to get. He's, he's good out there and in center field. And, um, but yeah, it's like you, there's so much, that's why there's just so much excitement. I think around this team is because you have these guys who, who are very good, but like with Nimmo, you didn't get to see him a lot last year, obviously because of the injury. And it's like this year, 60 games. Um, but you know, like let's, Let's see what he can do with them. And I know he was, he was his, his biggest concern was like getting his, how am I going to get my at bats in time, you know, in the three week summer camp. But he, uh, he said that the Mets had quelled that concern. He's gotten a lot of those at bats and uh, God, by all accounts, like they're, they're really liking what they're seeing, which, which should excite Mets fans. Because I mean, if he's, if he's leading off, you know, which there's, I know Mets fans have this lineup in their head. And I really do think that that's going to be the lineup. Oh yeah, I think I mean in my head it's it's Rosie nine, Nimmo one, McNeil two, exactly. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, it, that yeah. it's 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 exciting because Rosario is is on some sort of trajectory. Uh, excuse me, trajectory. If he can keep that up, um, he's just a bona fide weapon at the plate. Uh, hopefully his defense catches up, but um, you know it's not too shabby to begin with. So, uh, you know, minor adjustments. I know they were working on the footwork last year. Him and um, who is it? Gary DeSarcina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. working with DeSar. Yeah. So I mean, you know that just those three right there. That's going to create a lot of opportunities for your bigger bats, for your Alonzos, for your Confortos. Uh, you know, we can't forget about Cespedes. Yoena Cespedes is hitting bombs in camp. Uh, he's, I wasn't sure if Seth Lugo hurt his neck trying to follow that pitch on the way out, but uh, <laughs> it really, he snapped back and you could tell exactly where that thing was going. That thing was well above the, uh, the party deck there. Yeah, that, that was funny because it's like, I saw, God, who was it? Um, I, I've seen like a couple tweets about it. It's like, you, you get excited. Mets fans get excited for these sim games, but it's like, yeah, Yoan Assessment like hit a home run. Oh, you know, Seth Lugo gave up a home run. But that was fun. Man, he like they have said, I, I mean, even going back to spring training, um, the first one we saw that during these, like obviously his batting practice was a show, but during live BPs, stim games, like he his bat, his bat was there, his timing was there, his bat was ready. You were like, okay, this guy, the bat is not gonna be the issue. And it's it's kind of the same case now where I feel based on what my eyes have lined up with, with the way the Mets have, have assessed him is that his, you know, his running, his base running is getting there and his defense is the furthest thing that's behind. And, and in the, what I've seen, like just in the drills and stuff, I, I agree with that. I think that's, I think, I don't think they're lying about that or anything that's right on par, but obviously they know like they are just treating it like, okay, his bat's going to be there. And he's, dude, he's done the base running drills and, and things and sprints across the outfield. So it's not like he's not sprinting or running full speed or anything like that. Like, you know, I think you cannot forget about him. I mean, where where you want to put him in the lineup, but it's like with the DH, 
I think he can, I think he can actually meaningfully contribute in 2020. And I think for like the Mets, they're tip, you know, they're atypically suited for that, for that DH. And it kind of fell into their lap for this year, but it, it's going to really help out. And with Cespedes, like I, I don't think it's a pipe dream that he contributes like that bat looks like going to Cespedes. And that's, you know, that, that's, that's all we have to hear. And we're already, we're over the moon already, but um, I know we saw, you know, I guess far away video clips of him doing uh, drills to first base, running to first. Right. And, and yeah, he looked, um, you know, he looked mobile. I think that's, you know, that'll be fine. Um, now let's, let's, just assume that he's penciled into that DH spot nine times out of 10 sure. <laughs> or 55 times out of 60. <laughs> um, what does that mean for a guy like JD Davis, who is expected to probably see a decent amount of time in the DH spot? Uh, his glove is not his necessarily his strong suit, but you kind of Rojas is probably going to be forced to find spots for his bat. Do you think that, uh, that he's the Mets everyday left fielder. Do you think that he's kind of a roaming, a roaming offensive first uh, player or, or how's that going to shake out? You think I'm going to go 80% left field um, 20%. Otherwise that sounds like a lot to say for only a 60 game season. So it's like the, the number I'm not going to get into exact numbers of games for the 60 game season, but I do, I do agree. Once you start drawing out the lineup, you wonder what happens to a guy like, J.D. Davis or even a guy like Dom Smith. But I think with J.D. Davis, they've got they want him. You know, he he like he came up as a third baseman and he he knows, you know, so he works with Desar Arcina sometimes, you know, on that footwork, kind of like the the drill that Desar Arcina also does with, with Pete Alonso um, I mean things like that. So he he's worked there. But even through the I think it was three or four days of camp before uh, Davis started working at third base for the first time, at least from what, you know, from what we saw. Um, so I think they're really working with them in left field because he is going to be that, you know, primarily a left fielder. Now we're, you know, like, it's like, unfortunately injuries usually dictate a lot of things. So I think, but I think the Mets are going to be a lot, you know, flexible because you've got McNeil at third, but he's going to be able to play everywhere, especially if Cano is not back for you. At, by opening day, it's like, what do you do? Second base is like Yorme, or do you move McNeil over, move Davis in, and put Dom Smith out and left? Um, because you also want, you know, he showed that even in a part-time role, which is very, very hard. I don't think people know, like, what goes into, you know, excelling when you don't know when your next bat's going to come. But sure. Dom Smith did uh, did show that he could handle that last year. And I think, I mean, God, he's blocked at first base, obviously, but he could play first base for a lot of other teams in the, in the bigs. And, and so, but I think for a guy like JD Davis, you're looking at primarily left field if the Mets had it their way, no injuries, primarily left field. Um, and then maybe a couple games, you know, a few games here and there at, at third, because, in, you know, the, really the key is that you've got McNeil that you can move around anywhere. So if something happens and you need to get Conforto off his feet and need to put him in the D, you know, McNeil can play there. He can play pretty much anywhere. Um, but with Davis being both infield and outfield, you've got a lot of versatility. I just think that with Rojas, really, they need his bat in the lineup and he's going to play a lot of left field. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because Davis, um, you know, just by like advanced fielding metrics from from baseball savant, um, he's actually he's a playable third baseman. He had a, a positive outs above average last season. Like like you said, he's trained there. He came up as a third baseman. baseman. Um it feels like, you know, the few um, the few mishaps he did have at third base last year 
kind of were under the microscope because, you know, oh, well, what, what can we expect from J.D. Davis at third? And yeah, I remember like, oh, a bobble and a, and a bad throw. But, you know, I, they're ball players, And I think that in in a rotation and in, in, you know, if Rojas isn't comfortable putting somebody out somewhere, um, you know, it feels like he has a, a good enough grasp on the clubhouse and commands enough respect that, hey, guys, this is what we're going with. And I think everyone's just kind of willing to contribute and talk about Dom Smith, who who's like the ultimate team player, um, you know, pretty much lobbied the coaching staff in the front office to let him play left field last year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he did well. And he, it turns out he had a stress fracture in his foot when he was doing it. Like, um, you know, people just want to players. It seems like they just want to help this team win. Even Jed Lowry, you know, we see him with his bionic leg and, and he's, you know, He's trying to get back out there and you have to commend that. I know lots of Mets fans are like, oh, well, Jed Lowry wasted all this money. It's not like he wanted to get hurt, but um, if he can come back, he's another guy you can kind of plug all over the infield. If his bat's still there, um, great. I don't know. Have he, has he been taking BP and stuff? Like, does he look like he's game ready or close to it? You know, I know, you know, Brody, obviously, Jazz CAA guy, Brody, former CAA guy, Brody said that that the thing they like, they're encouraged about Jed, kind of like Cespedes, is that he's not getting himself out. His The quality of at bat has remained to a Jed Lowry pre-injury standard, which is good. And I, yeah. I honestly feel the same. Like, he's put together some some good ABs, especially. Like, I, I think that a lot of people, you know, like fans, like you mentioned, it's like, <laughs> these guys aren't robots, you know, with Jed. Of course, he knows he's he's making a ton of money to do nothing right now. And of course, he knows, like, look at it from his perspective. I mean, I would bet to imagine he hopes this injury, you know, he doesn't want to get hurt. I mean, especially yeah. so, so far into his career. But I think, um, you know, it's got to be a mental thing, too. It's like you don't want the leg to give out. And it's just, it's hard, man. It's not easy. But I think he has looked, he's looked good, like, in, in his at-bats. Like, I don't think he's looked awful or like awfully overmatched like he shouldn't he shouldn't be there i mean i think uh i think they're encouraged by him and and even like rojas has said he's another guy you could you could see dhing if if he's ready if he's ready to help them but i do think it's like he's up on the guy like i know he you know, I know <laughs> exactly. he's making a lot of money but it's like these guys don't want to get hurt i mean injuries yeah. could affect you even after your career man it's like they've still got a life to live after that and a life to live around baseball and it's like nobody you know, like I can't imagine the frustration he's gone through. Like nobody wants to be hurt. Like we all complain when we have like a cold, let alone like an injury that lasts, you know, year a couple of years almost. Yeah. And I think his uh leadoff double against DeGrom over the weekend, opposite exactly. field. That's a you know, that's a promising sign. We'll take what we can get. Um, you know, in hindsight, sure, yeah, maybe the Mets could have uh could have, you know gone other directions but um you know they didn't and jed lowry's here and if he can contribute i know as a fan I i'm pumped great excellent it's not my money that that he's being paid with so what what should i care <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah that's true yeah that's i mean point. you know uh, if he's here to contribute great and if he's healthy even better like um you know it, it's it's all good things i wanted to ask you about dell and Batanzas before we sure. wrap up um, I hear he's back up in the mid mid to upper nineties with his yep. fastball. He's he's really looking healthy. Um, can we look forward to a to a to Dellen, you know, being a, an integral part of the bullpen? I I really think so. I think like when I was thinking about it before the first spring training, I know like so much of it hinges on Edwin Diaz and Jerry's familia not completely flopping again. Edwin Diaz especially, but I think adding Batances, I was thinking like 
man, if this guy, you don't know how somebody's going to be after an injury riddled year like that. But I was like, if this guy can be like somewhat of what he was in the Bronx, I mean, you've, you've upgraded your bullpen right there. And like, and I think, I mean, all signs, God, I hate to be just like the, the bearer of all this good news. I'm not trying to do PR for the team, but it's like, I do really think with Batances, that's one of your most encouraging signs this camp is that he's been known as a slow starter in terms of his velocity. And now the fact that he's up to, you know, mid nineties again, and then obviously of course, through everything, the Mets have always, everybody's lauded just the break and the bite on his off speed pitches. And I think that's going to be big. I think he really is going to be an integral part of the bullpen. It just goes back to the versatility of, of this team. And I know like, for Luis Rojas, it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be easy or hard because at the back end of a game, it's like you've got Edwin Diaz, Dellen Batances, and oh, don't forget about the most reliable reliever on the team last year, Seth Lugo. And, you know, you've still got Justin Wilson, Brad, oh, we hope Brad Brock is is back by then. Um, obviously not in camp right now. But uh, yeah, I think Dellen Batances, man, if he, I think he's well on his way you know, he dealt with the shoulder and the lat injuries before partially tearing that Achilles tendon. But I think he's well, not, it doesn't seem anything too debilitating. And I think he's well on his way to, to being who he was. And I think for the Mets, like, you know, so many of those games last year that they lost could have been, you know, maybe wins had they had more flexibility in their bullpen. And I think Dellen Batances gives you exactly that because he's another dominant guy you know at, at the back end who who features a good fastball but but it's also going to give you like biting breaking stuff yeah and like like you said you, they, you know they couldn't go to Seth Lugo every night and he was by far the most consistent most dominant um once Justin Wilson was healthy and back he was a force and um you know I think we could look forward to him having another big 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 year uh if Brock comes back he really found that cutter uh towards the end of last year and that could be a weapon in um in spurts and I think Gazelman was was is gearing up he looks like he's uh he's in terrific shape um I do like his stuff I think that he he has major league capable stuff and I think we've seen him at his best and he's proven that um I just love what Patances brings because it alleviates pressure off everyone else <laughs> and, and if he's there everyone else can kind of just do their job and it doesn't even matter. I don't think that, you know, the actual like structure of, uh, all right, you're the ninth inning guy. You're the eighth inning guy. I don't think that matters. I think as long as every, no one's being overused, no one's being shouldered with too much responsibility. And there's just so much talent that, um, you know, everyone, like I said before, everyone's just there to contribute and help the team win. And uh, I think the 60 game season is going to bring everyone together focus wise and Ah, Justin, can you hear it? I am through the roof excited for this. I can't believe it's actually happening. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like you, like, I know you've mentioned a lot on Twitter. It's like, you hope it happens. You hope everybody's safe. But it's like, I just, you know, both can be true. You can think that it's a little risky and you hope everybody's safe. But also that just like, there's no denying, man, that baseball just brings people together. And it's like, it's finally something like those Zoom interviews and, and everything for like fans at the it's just finally something else to think about. Like finally something happy to think about. It's like this season, I, I think if they can do it right, it's going to bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. And, and I can tell you're excited. I'm excited. I hope yeah. to, to complete it, man. Cause it would be a big bummer if they had to shut down again. But yeah, like you said, I think everybody's going to come together because 
look, it's like the personal stuff might not mean as much during the this season like this, but heck, you still want to win a World Series. And I think, yeah, I think this team's as, as hungry as ever really, really to do it, especially with the way last year ended. Yeah. And I think they're well, um, they're, they're well built for a sprint. I think Rojas with his experience in the Dominican winter leagues is, uh, is built to kind of, he's equipped to, to lead through this sprint through a short season. I think he's had experience kind of using a bullpen and, and giving guys rests when, when they need, you know, few and far between. So yeah, everything's kind of on its edge, but, um, you know, if they find their groove and if they find their plane, man, oh, this, uh, there's a lot of potential and it's exciting. And Justin, I, I think that's all we got for today, man. Um, anything you got coming out this week? I know you guys are pretty busy breaking news and getting ready for the season, but you got any features? I had one today on Mike Hampton, kind of that 2000 season that, that he had. Nice. So, um, yeah, I like doing that. Mike, he, he's a great guy. And it's just like, for me, it was so interesting to hear about a, a lot of those things during that season. But, and other than that, I mean, I, I'll keep you guys posted on Twitter, but it's, uh, yeah, it's mostly, we're kind of at the mercy of what Zoom interviews we get from uh, from PR. So it's, uh, I, I'm not sure who will be speaking this week, but it's like, I hope, you know, I hope we can get some more on on Cano and then Brock and even Jared Hughes, who could be a, a good bullpen oh, guy if he ever, yeah. ever shows up. So, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be, I don't know, it's still hard to believe that, uh that the season is is technically like starts next week. I mean, at the yeah. end of next week. Yeah, it was such a gut shot when things kind of just came to a screeching halt. And um, it almost doesn't feel real that, you know, all summers kind of felt weird because you don't have baseball to lean on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is um, this is exciting. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, do you guys don't go on the road with the team, do you? The media? Oh, uh, like uh we usually do this no year. i mean this this year. oh this oh, okay yeah this year it's going to be a lot different for some people like i'm still going to travel most places oh cool um, but it's i know there will be some people who who opt not to and i, I totally get that like i yeah. totally on the road i'm going to be as safe and cautious as i can just because i know that there will be people you know back here who who didn't travel and who are wary of, of those of us who did but yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. I don't know. Like, that's the best part about the job. But it's like in a year like this, you kind of, yeah, it's just weird. It, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a strange, going to be a strange season. But it's just like, like I said, I just hope it brings happiness to those who, who really need it in a time like this, because a lot of people have struggled and, um, you know, have, have gone through things during these last few months. And, and like, hopefully baseball can be somewhat of a, of an antidote to a lot of the crappiness that has happened in our world. Right. Oh, we got to hope so, man. It can't get much worse than it has been, right? No, that's yeah, there's there's your silver lining right there before the season is that hey, no matter what happens, it can't get worse than what happened in March and April. Yo. Oh, yeah, exactly. We say that, but we shall see. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wear your masks. Please yeah. wear your masks. Justin, please, man, be safe on the road. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. It's always a blast talking to you. Of course. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm honored. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, everybody follow Justin on Twitter. Uh, you know, check out the record. It's, um, you know, the, it's Mets speed. It's baseball season, guys. All right. Yeah!